0: Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, My goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions, and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Hi, and welcome back to It's Not a Crisis. As always, I'm so happy that you're joining me today. I'm so excited about today's topic because this is a subject I I know very little about, and I've always wanted to dig deeper into it because I cannot believe that in 2020, women are still getting guilt trips for not choosing the path of motherhood. I feel so passionate about this. and I really don't believe that motherhood is for every woman. And as a women, we really need to start to support these women by educating ourselves and others so that we're not passing judgment. I, I've also learned that there's a difference between, I, I didn't know this, child free and childless. And next week, I'm actually going to have a guest who is going to talk about childless, so that will definitely be covered. I am honored today to have Marsha Drutt Davis here to share her amazing story, her experience, knowledge, history, and her incredible, incredible spirit. Marcia is an outspoken author and pioneering advocate for parenting choices. Unlike other child-free-by-choice or fate women, she can't be threatened with the possibility she'll change her mind or should do whatever she can do to attain the revered title of mom. At 78, that would be impossible. Her primary focus is on reaching hearts by dispelling myths and supporting the joys of living a rewarding life without the title of mom. For the childless or women facing menopause who are parents, she teaches how nurturing can be accomplished in many alternative ways. In 1974, affected by the shocking consequences of pronatalism, she lost a devoted teaching job after being interviewed on the TV show 60 Minutes. Facing death threats and picket lines when she spoke, that's unbelievable, she vowed to overcome the stigma against people living without raising children. At 50, she received her master's degree in teaching English as a second language. She returned to the profession that she loved. In 1998, her peers nominated her for Walt Disney's American Teacher Awards, and then she retired from teaching in 2000 and now volunteers in a poor community where she teaches ESL. Marcia was given a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2015 from the Committee of International Child-Free Day. She appears in two documentaries, To Kid or Not To Kid by Maxine Trump and My So-Called Selfish Life by Teresa Schechter. I want to see those. Her blog, Facebook sites, and books help many to understand if you want to nurture, there are many, many ways. And if you don't, that's okay too. She lives in Florida with her husband Jim and one rescued snarky Chihuahua, which we actually just heard in the background a few minutes before. Marcia Thank you for coming on. It's not a crisis. I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: That was some introduction. I think I feel like 5 foot 9 when I'm really 5 foot 0 and shrinking as we speak. <laughs> you know my yesterday my
0: mom, my mom is she's going to be mad at me, but my mom's 74 and my daughter um is 13 and she goes, "Nana, look, I'm taller than you." And and she is. Uh, but, but she said, well, how tall are you? And she said, I'm five, three or my mom said, well, I'm five, three. And I was like, not anymore. I didn't didn't say that out loud, but yeah, that must be hard actually. It
1: really is. Yeah, it it is. But you know, it's not really funny. No. And we, are well, it is, but (laughs) I'm here and even though I'm shrinking, I'm loud and proud and so happy to be on your show. I hope we touch
0: people's lives. Oh, I hope so too. I'm I'm so grateful to you for what you've spent your life doing for so many women. I I I think it's absolutely the most brave thing that I've seen in a long time. So I'm I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel very naive. I don't know a a ton about this, but I'm excited to learn, and I'm sure everybody else is. Thanks. I hope
1: I hope we can reach people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well. So tell me first. The 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 first place I want to start. How did this topic become? Such a passion for you?
1: That's an easy answer. Mm -hmm. uh, Most of which I've outlined in my first book. But when I was very young and very stupid, I joined Ellen Peck, who was the, they called her the uh, guru of child freedom in 1974. Her first book, The Baby Trap, set me free. I read that book, I devoured that book and then i became a part of the national organization for non-parents that she started she and i became very very friendly and i would go into new york city from long island and just help her with the first convention for child free day and that led me to the fact that they were they were filming on 60 minutes this whole episode somebody found out that i had never said a word to my family or friends And Marion Golden, who was the producer, came up to me and said, Say, I hear you're um, uh, coming out as you would to your parents. Uh, I understand that perhaps you'll be doing that very soon. I said, Yeah, as a matter of fact, right after this convention, I am going to tell my truth. And she said, Can we hear that too? Can we follow you to one of your parents tonight? And I looked at her and I said, okay. And how old were you at the time? 34, 33, somewhere in there. I had not said a word uh, about this. And that's how the whole thing started. That whole 60 minutes fiasco led me to such a passion because as you said in the intro, the result of that, the result of Mike Wallace ending that show, by the way, I never met Mike Wallace. His last comment Pardon our perversion for airing this on Mother's Day. Good night, everyone. Oh,
0: my God. How old were you when you knew that you did not want to have children?
1: I think the first time my mother said that a baby is pushed out of a vagina I didn't see it as being all that lovely, and she had that far-off look when she said, well, I, 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 I labored with you for three days, and it was hell, but it was so worth it. And I thought to myself, well, I know I'm pretty good, but do I want to do that? And I was maybe six or seven. That's when it began to come into my mind. At that point, it was just about birthing and pregnancy. But I put it out of my mind because... My baby dolls were there, and of course, I was going to be a mommy someday. And, you know, I was too young to think about it. Yeah, I think it started at six.
0: And that, well, it also, so obviously, the, I mean, my daughter says she doesn't want to have kids for that reason, too. She's like, I, you know, it's <laughs> the That's fact so that it hurts. Funny. But it obviously, it, it transitioned into something else as you got older. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't just about the birth plan. So when 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 did that transition happen? And when did you realize it was something bigger than? the physical part of, of
1: becoming a mother. Sure. Well, don't judge me, but this is my third marriage. It's, 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 we don't judge here. And it's not a crisis. I just want to make sure in my first marriage, when I was 22, uh, we never even talked about babies or children. We just assumed, of course we'd be parents. That's what happens when you get married. And at one point I thought I was pregnant. And I'll never forget that because the doctor said, I want you to eat good foods and take care of yourself. And I remember eating vegetables and thinking, oh, my God, is this what I want? And luckily I was not pregnant. And that started the nagging in my back of my head about, do I want to have children? Never said a word to husband number one, but got rid of him very fast because he was abusive. Husband number two wrote me a song That pictured me in the back porch with a babe in my arms and all the love we can bring together. And I thought, (laughs) that one I really want, although the song was just, just filled with all the, I'm gonna use a big word, pronatalistic stuff that was not reality about me. And it wasn't until I did read that baby trap that I gave him the book and we really honestly sat down and said, no, 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 We don't want children. And yeah, that's, that's great that he was supportive of that. I think he was waiting for that, but I know (laughs) he never said anything. We both, you know, when I think about that, I mean, I hope anybody in a relationship can talk openly and honestly, not about the fluff, not about the myths, not even about the good things that being a parent can bring but about the reality. Are you parent material? Is this the lifestyle fit for both of you?
0: And you know what? There are so many mothers that resent their children because they probably didn't want them. And, you know, there are so many bad parents out there as well that probably should never have had children and probably knew they shouldn't have had children. Uh, so, you know, there's something really important to taking that step of of really making sure. But, you know, in 2021, I still think I mean, I hope I see it changing a little bit with this newer generation, this millennial Gen Z. But I was 30 when I had my daughter, who is 13 to almost 14, and even 14 years ago, there was definitely this pressure that you get married and you have kids, and it was just kind of what you did. And and even now, looking at some of my friends in their forties who still haven't had children, there's definitely a stigma around them. Uh, you know, it's the it, you know people want to know why didn't you have children, and was something wrong with your reproductive system? Oh, you never met the right guy. Well, you could freeze your eggs. You blah blah blah. Whatever it is, it's so none of our business to ask women these questions, and it should be okay to make that choice, not. Every woman is meant to be a mother. Our parents, you know, my parents, and then I I can't even imagine with your parents, um, they, you know, women got married and had kids. That was it. You you maybe had a little job here and there, but, you know, for the most part, that was really the belief. How did your family take that news when you came out and told them that?
1: My mother-in-law wrote a poem. She was the one that was uh, in this uh, interview with 60 Minutes the next morning. The last line of the poem is, who will you leave your worldly goods to? The robbers, the junkies, or just the plain hoods? But this is how our story ends. Our children, though married, are really just friends. Oh, my God wow yeah I, i'm amazed that i remembered that at 78 but yeah that was well, that
0: that must have burned
1: something in you i you can't think? even imagine you think <laughs> yeah. you think but getting back to what you said um yes that question of why no children we can never say why are you having children that's considered an affront but we can be asked well why why no children and as far as gen x people maybe here in America but not internationally. Oh, my God. If you saw the letters that I got from people all over the world who are devastated and terrified to tell their truths. And in my second book, I, I interviewed a uh, a doctor from, I think it was Nigeria. She could never say that she's child-free by choice. She would lose every patient that she had and would consider to be a man. That's how bad it is in some countries. Wow. The, the one more thing you said is, um, not every woman is meant to be a mother. Well, let's not forget, not every man is meant to be a father. Oh, for sure. I, I, I just didn't <laughs> mention that because we're talking about women. I know, but, I know. But yes. like, well, it's not just about
0: women. No, 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 That was not where I was coming from because uh, we were talking about women. I totally agree with that. Um, there are uh, maybe more men
1: <laughs> that should
0: not be fathers um, and then than you know, women mothers. There's
1: another whole thing about the beautiful gay couples Do you know that if you're a gay couple and you don't have children by means of any other way of having children, it's not as good as if you have either had adopted a child or surrogacy, they're considered more accepted. Mm, Interesting.
0: Yeah, I see that. I actually, I have to say, um, I always worked with kids before I had kids and, you know, as a counselor and I'd never changed a diaper. I'd never touched a baby uh, and I never had any interest in it. I I thought they were cute, but I was like, "Eh." and um, when I had my daughter, it was really scary and really uncomfortable for me in the beginning. You know, I I, I was like, well, what do I do with this thing? What, just because I'm a mother, I'm I'm supposed to know what to do.
1: It's not something instinctive. Oh, my God. I
0: found that. And I tell this to women all the time who go through any sort of postpartum depression. I said, sometimes you you're not going to feel like a mother right away. And that's OK, because it's something, in my opinion, that's almost learned like you, you know, your first time, your second time, you're like, Hey, I got this. I've, I've done this, but it's not, it's not like something comes out of your body and you're like, boom, I'm
1: a mom. I know what I'm doing. You know, it's scary. It's really scary. You've hit on something that is one of my passions. I have been trying so hard with my friend, Laura Carroll, who wrote the baby matrix to get education about this topic. In any course that I've ever seen with my middle school kids, nothing is mentioned about realities of parenting. Nothing is mentioned about not being instinctive. There are no courses, no exams, nothing to show realities, just the myth, just the fluff, just the hype. And of course you felt that way. I mean, it's it's a bewildering new career. It's a career to take care of children. I'm so happy
0: that you're saying that because I I think women feel such guilt and shame over that feeling. And, and I, you know, I, I'm i any, I used to uh, volunteer with postpartum women that were going through postpartum depression. And one of the things that I'd say to them is, you may not even bond with this baby for a few months, and that's okay. Sometimes, like for, for me, when my kids turned into people with like little personalities and they talked and stuff, I really felt so connected. Whereas as a baby, when they sat there doing nothing and you're exhausted and you're feeding them and Uh, it's just, you know, some people love that stage. For me, I found it really difficult. And I think that I felt such shame about that. I felt like, why shouldn't have been a mom? Because I'm not like into this, you know, this isn't really what I want to be doing as much as I loved it, but I didn't (laughs) You know, like I loved it, but I didn't. And it's okay to admit that I wish more women were able to do that. You just
1: did. And you just helped many, many, many people.
0: Good. Well, I hope so. So tell me, what is you mentioned it before? What is pronatalism, and and how can it affect parents?
1: Well, this is good for you too, because yeah, mother, of, you said you had a thirteen year old and other and a ten year old, okay. almost eleven. Yeah, is is this another little girl? No, a boy. Okay, both of them. It's important. Pronatalism is any policy or belief that exalts the status of parenting and not give the realities. So it can be seen in the media, in movies, where babies are swooned over. And if there's a problem, have a baby, it'll be solved. Of course, soap operas were the best one for that. It could be seen in art, where, again, a baby, never a teenager, a baby is shown in the most beautiful, romantic, loving way. And let's face it, they are cute, some of them. And now some of them are not. And I've had people say to me, what do you think? And the kid is absolutely ugly. Kind of <laughs> In all honesty, I'll say you must feel so proud because I can't say I'm so sorry. I can't <laughs> say that, and that would be mean, and I wouldn't want to hurt any feelings. But pronatalism is—I just said if you can if you can go on a TV tonight and watch the ads on television, count how many ads are depicted with children, and the children are always adorable. Even though the product has nothing to do with children. Now, lately, I've seen dogs in the Subaru, in the Subaru uh, commercials. Mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, the dogs are driving. And of course, there's a puppy in the back. It doesn't end that way. <laughs> there's always <laughs> family depicted with children. So pronatalism is there. It's rampant. It's worse in other cultures and countries where actually you could be stoned. You could have a divorce and the husband can. Find another wife if you don't bear a child to that husband. And if it's not a son, you could still be divorced and he remarry another woman. So it's something that's so subtle and so unknown. When I was younger, the big song was You're Having My Baby. What a wonderful way to say I love you by Paul Anka. Mm -hmm. That song made me nauseous. Nauseous. I'm sure it did, but you know you don't find songs like that now. Have you? Have you? I'm. I'm assuming you've watched The Handmaid's Tale. I can't. I read the book and it terrified me because it's so real and so possible. And in a way, it is still happening. Not the way it's depicted in Handmaid's Tale, but. Yeah, it's so frightening. Oh, it's I honestly it's
0: it's the most brilliant show I've ever watched the cinematography. I mean, it gives you complete anxiety where you can't sleep. So never watch it at night. Well, I'm, having I, anxiety, <laughs>
1: I'm,
0: not, I'm, not, I'm not doing it now. <laughs> I understand. I know a lot of people who won't watch it for that reason. But it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So so the other thing you had mentioned is masturbation. <laughs> what, what is masturbation and how do we overcome masturbation?
1: L- Albert Ellis is the one who coined that phrase. I cannot take you know c- credit for it. It's the musts. You must grow up, and you must marry somebody. You must have a child and a career. If you can do that, all the musts that society puts on us that don't reach our hearts, because it's up to our hearts, our brains, our life to make choices that are good for us, not the musts that we told by family, friends, co-workers, society, TV, music, art, and everything else. Stop the musts. Uh, how, how do we stop the musts? That's by choices. And the choices are difficult because it's a thought. I've learned that a thought creates the feeling. You, you can try this, Durin or any of your listeners. The next time you're feeling happy, tap into what you're thinking. And it's usually something lovely. The next time you're feeling sad, focus in on what you're thinking. And it's usually very sad thoughts. So if you're thinking things that making you upset by society, you have to physically say into your brain, stop that. What's best for me? I don't have to do that. That's not a must. The must for me is my life, my boundaries, my goals. And that is not selfish. That's taking care of yourself. Mm, I
0: love those words, and and I think that that's what I'm always trying to do here with this podcast. Is that you know you you do get this sense of it just starts in your 40s where you're starting to be like you know what this is the next part of my life and I'm going to stop listening to certain things and really start living for myself. It, it takes time though. It's not. I think it's very hard when that's all you've ever known. But I, I love 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 what you just said. I'm so happy. You know what? I'm sorry. I just want to go back to one thing. What was your parent? What were your parents' reaction? You told me about your mother-in-law, but you didn't tell me about your parents. My
1: mom was very quiet. She never, ever came out and said anything other than, I loved being your mom. And I knew that. I was adored. I had the greatest childhood. She did have another child, my sister, from another marriage. And my sister, Robin, gave her two children as grandparents. So I think that sort of stopped it because she saw my passion. My mom always wanted what was best for me. I think she was a little disappointed because she would have loved to have another grandchild because we know the grandchildren are the icing on the cake of parenting. And, um, her peers were saying new when, huh? Hmm, What's happening. I mean, isn't she getting old? Where's the kid already? She's in her thirties. So she had the same pronatalistic stuff that I had in a different way. And, uh, you as a parent, I don't know if we even got to that with your children. You need to just make sure that they know that their choices in life are theirs. And you're hoping they make the right choices because of the consequences. I'd say that to them all the time. You know, it's,
0: it's funny. And this this is completely selfish. Sometimes when my daughter and she's so young and but maybe she knows like you did. But when she says she doesn't want to have ch- actually not not only does she not want to have children, she wants to buy a house in the middle of a field in France and be alone. <laughs> so, um, When she says this to me, I, I can't help as a mom think. Oh God, does she not want to be a mom because I suck at being a mom or is this just <laughs> is this just really how she feels? because i'm I obviously, like your mom, make sure that my kids know that being their mom is the best thing I ever did, and it really is, you know, I but at the same time, I always say to her, Having children isn't for everybody. And if one day you decide that you don't want to do that, that's okay. But I do wonder, there is a part of me, and I will admit, there's a part of me that's like, oh, God, does she think I suck? And so she doesn't want to repeat my parenting. (laughs) Now, let
1: me put you at ease. Here's my 78-year-old wisdom, okay? Yes, please. Here it comes. You ready? Yep. You do not suck as a mom. You are exemplary because your children feel safe enough to say that to you. And you've instilled in them the right to their life, their right to their choices. And I would urge you to say, what a wonderful idea. All I want for you is happiness. And if your happiness is alone in a house in France, I'm happy. I I will, I I need to recover that because I was, (laughs) I was a little bit like,
0: I, a little nervous that she doesn't want to be around humans at all. <laughs> so I was like, "Are you?" I mean, I think you'll get lonely there on the field. At some point, you'll meet people, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate hearing that. I'm sure there are other women that will um, appreciate you saying that to them as well. We, we try. I you know I want my kids. I, I stress to them that I want them to be who they are and I want their choices to be theirs. Again, good choices as, as much as they can. But, you know, I think that they're growing up in a society already that's starting to allow that a little bit more, which is which is great. Yeah. So so uh, you you talk about in your book giving birth
1: after menopause. What does that mean? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I do love that. People look at me and say, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what?" There are so many ways to birth. The other day, and please don't laugh. Oh, you can laugh. I birthed the most beautiful tomato. It was perfect in every way, shape and form. And I was thrilled because I planted the tomato plant. And even though I did eat my young like a spider, I enjoyed it. And to me, it was a a feeling of success. So what is birthing? You can birth a book like I did. It was three hours of labor for the first one, three hours, I'm sorry, three Years of labor. I was going to say three hours. Hours, Wow. Oh my goodness. (laughs) No, three years. And then the second book was maybe even more because it took more out of me, but that's birthing. What's birthing? It isn't just creating a human. It's birthing your own ideas, your own goals, your own dreams, your own passions. It's birthing a podcast. That's a birth. That's affecting so many people in so many ways. It's birthing, um, a song, that's that's also hitting people's hearts, and it doesn't have to necessarily hit anybody else. It could just be your own, your own passions, your own dreams. That's what birthing is to me, and certainly humans. Oh, I love
0: that, and 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 that's so true. I mean, this is you're, you're talking about your tomato. I've been growing herbs on the in, on my countertop with this like click and grow thing. Uh-huh. And I joke with my kids in the morning because you know my kids are at the age where they're not that interested in me anymore. I go down in the morning. I go, "Hello, my little herbies. <laughs> what do you do?" Just to annoy them. I'm like, "Mom, look how beautiful they are. They're cute," and they're like. Mommy, I think you like those herbs more than us. I'm like, some days. No, just kidding. But some, they don't talk back. But it's funny. You know, you see people to act that way with their dogs, um, you know, especially as their kids get older. And I have friends whose kids are almost out of the house and they've gotten dogs and their kids just look at them like, really? You're giving more attention to that dog than me? But yeah, it's a it's a birthing. You know, it absolutely is. You're you're helping this thing grow and and turn into something else. No matter what it is, I love
1: I love that term. Yeah, I do too. And I think another word for birthing is nurturing. Yes, caring, creating, reaching, supporting. That's a different type of birthing. And those of us who are, uh, we call ourselves fur parents, or we have fur kids and often maligned for saying that, how dare you, you can't compare an animal to a human. Well, for some that's true, but for those of us who've rescued dogs or, you know, uh, raised dogs, they're very much a part of the family. And it is nothing compared to raising a human. And by the way, you mentioned your kids- I'm so happy you said that because sometimes there are dog parents who
0: do compare it. Yes. <laughs> like um, How about the ones that
1: put little 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 outfits on their little dogs and right,
0: And that's okay as long as it's not compared to a toddler like throwing things at you and screaming at you and running out of a
1: room having a tantrum. Well usually, my dog' having a tantrum. she's right here be- beneath me right now because I' fed her. But um, she'll want attention and he does need attention. And it means walking her and caring for her and taking her to the vet. But it's nothing compared to what any parent should do in raising a child. Do you
0: find that I would imagine there's a major stereotype against women who are child free as being cold and not nurturing and not, you know, you you could still be maternal. You may just not be maternal to children. I'm sure that you've seen that a lot in your life and other women have faced that.
1: Yeah. And and so many people have written to me about that. It hurts their hearts because they're not cold. They're loving. They're caring. Many of them are very connected to organizations uh, that are helping this planet, helping people in crisis, helping children. I have a doctor who I adore from Brazil. Her whole passion is is in gynecology, but in the, the process of ultrasound at the time where there may be some issues or no, no issues. And in Brazil, that's a specialty. Here, it's just a tech, technician that does it. She loves it. She loves listening to the baby's heartbeats and the excitement of the perspective of the mom and the dad in the room or whoever's in the room with her. Loves it, loves it, loves it. But she herself doesn't want to have children, and they can't understand that. Why are you so cold to that when you yourself are giving yourself? But she is giving of herself to children. How many teachers do we have are adoring of their children? I still have maybe eight to 10 of my students who I call my daughter, son, friends. They're in my life forever.
0: Right. And the good thing about all of those positions or roles in children's lives is you get to give them back at the end of the day. Yes.
1: And (laughs) one of the joys of teaching that I found. I could give myself as a teacher more because I could visit the homes afterwards. At the time that I started teaching, um, no, no, I'm sorry, all the years of my teaching, we didn't have computers, we didn't have phones like this. I would step off at the library and pick up books that the children wanted. So I had more time for that. And then I could go home, close the door, get a glass of wine, light the candles, have a lovely dinner, watch TV, go to sleep when I wanted to, wake up when I wanted to on the weekends. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's true.
0: Did you ever find backlash from parents who felt that you didn't get it because you
1: weren't a parent? Yes. I bet. Many times as a teacher, I just had a lady write to me today. They thought, well, how could you teach our children when you yourself don't have children? How do you know what children are like? Let me tell you something. The courses that I had to take in children, their emotional, physical, mental health is overwhelming to what parents never have to take. Yeah. Have you? I, I'm sure it would be so amazing
0: to talk to Oprah, right? I Oprah
1: tried to reach Oprah. Uh, I told you how many times. Well, I don't think it's a subject that she's
0: comfortable talking about because you really don't hear her talking about it.
1: And she should She She should She's a mother to how many of those women in the school that she um, Right She's a definite mother person to so many, so many people
0: Yeah I know
1: Tell me what you would tell all of us that we
0: should say and should not say to a child-free woman Why? Well, I mean, just so we're not saying anything that is
1: the, The answer is why Oh, you're saying why. Sorry. (laughs) The first word I would say. So don't say why. don't say why. I would never say to you, well, Doreen, why did you have kids? Because I would never say, tell me why you had kids. It's like, why did you not want kids? There's a difference. You hear my tone? Yep. And you're not looked down upon the way we are. You're not given all the mumbo jumbo. Why did you get married if you didn't want to have children? Okay, I guess we should all have different fertility tests before we get married for those people that ask that question. And then what about those who are childless, who have not reached acceptance through the grief they have to have to see that less is not the same as free? So those questions are painful. How do they know? Why? Maybe there is some mental illness that they're stopping. They refuse to give it to another child or or physical illness. So the, those kinds of questions are hurtful, absolutely hurtful, and none of their business.
0: And now I'm going to ask you something that's completely against what you just said. But what have you found women to tell you as their reasons to not having children? Oh, my goodness.
1: There's so many. Just a few. Give us a few Um, different goals in life. As an example, one prefers uh, going home to peace and quiet and not having to live their life surrounded around the needs and wants, which are very important in raising children. Another reason is the money issue. They just don't have enough money to raise a child or they want to save their money for travel. Some have higher pursuits in education or higher pursuits in careers where they don't feel it would be fair, especially now to try to get child care. Um, Those are a few of the main ones I've heard. And
0: regarding to all of you listening, uh, as far as the why question, that's just rude. So don't say that to somebody. It's it comes with anything. Honestly, like I see a woman who's pregnant. I don't even I pretend she's not pregnant unless she brings it up. You know, if somebody wants to tell you their story as to why they chose not to have children, then that's their choice. But it's none of our business before a woman does that. And I I, I think, you know, I I would imagine sometimes that maybe. Well, listen, I don't want to generalize, but I wonder if men ask that question more than women.
1: I that's a good question. I don't think so. No. I think men. Okay. Listen, I think men are, are, are they don't go into this topic. As, yeah, they probably have no interest in it. Although, hear me out. I have a man speaking from his heart on a cruise that I am going to host in 2022. And he's going to tell it from his point of view as to what he's had to face having a vasectomy and that's a whole other topic. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes. Thank you. Love that. Now, wait a minute. There's one other thing. Yeah. Um, Many times a pregnant woman is expecting a lot of oohs and ahs. I don't do that. I don't know why they're pregnant. I don't know if they're carrying a child that may have an illness. I don't go there. When I see a pregnant woman, yesterday, a young lady came here and she said, I'm pregnant. And I said, I hope you're very happy with that choice. I did not say, wow, isn't that great? <laughs> wow. And a lot of people say, good for you. Wow, what does it do? Oh, isn't that- I
0: didn't like that when I was pregnant. I did not like all the happiness really? and the hoopla. It, it really made me uncomfortable. I don't like a lot of attention in that way anyway, but I, I, I really found it annoying. And I also found it so annoying that everywhere I went, somebody would comment on me being pregnant as opposed to just looking at me as a person. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I hated it. I hated all of that. And and I have to tell you, I'm going to say this because I think it will help other women. When I got pregnant, I wasn't really ready. I kept hearing people say, well, you're never ready. You just have to jump in the cold water and do it. It was scary as hell. And I was petrified probably until I actually remember the day she started moving in my body. And it at first it was so weird. And I was like, ew, this is kind of strange. And then I honestly felt like, wow, this is the most amazing feeling in the world. Like I really, I, I got super cheesy and was like, holy crap, I'm creating a body in my, some, you know, inside of me. And it's, right. it, it, it was, it was pretty wild. And there was a different connection at that point. But until that point, I was like, what did I do? I am not ready for this. And, you know, listen, there are women who try forever and they finally get pregnant. And, you know, it's it's a wonderful moment. But yet they still have hesitation they're still scared they still aren't sure if they made the right decision and that's very normal and those women especially feel extreme guilt for that because they they tried so hard to get to that point yes so i'm very real and and i say it like it is and i hope my children one day appreciate that and don't think it's a reflection on them but i wasn't ready i was not ready and it was
1: really scary i think you just helped a lot of women i really do and men yeah. because they need to hear this too but through their women. Um, there are two things you mentioned, Doran, that are so important, so important. When you mentioned the first time you felt that awesome feeling of life moving within you. Now, of course, that has got to be absolutely stunningly new. It's a new, weird, amazing feeling. And let's not forget, there are many women who do have that, who are appalled who feel that there's an alien in their body, or who are going through such pain, such suffering through their pregnancies, they don't want to hear about the joy you had. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But most, we we don't hear that. Because we're no. not supposed to say that. Because once they have that child, everything about everything is just wonderful, and you don't hear about, uh, you know, the hemorrhoids coming out of your anus or about the the horror of episiotomies or what happens after birth. That's not shared. It's just all worth it, like my mom said the 3 hour the 3 days of screaming uh, this is hell shoot me now it was worth it kids are you know for the most part and it's not their fault they're very self-centered
0: and and they don't appreciate anything you do as a parent as much as they say that and and there are those days where i'm like i labored for 40 hours with uh-huh. no medication for this <laughs> 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 like what I, and, and i did and it wasn't intentional they wouldn't give me medication but you do think that you're, yeah. it's very hard being a parent because you're really not appreciated. You're really not. And you have to learn that you're not going to be appreciated for a very long time, probably until your kids have kids. If they choose to have kids. Oh, I'm so glad you
1: said if they choose to have kids.
0: Yes. Well, Are that's what, no, absolutely. Great. Good. <laughs> I mean, I, there's a part of me that just wants them to so that they can have teenagers and tweens that treat them sometimes the way I get treated. <laughs>
1: but I was right. going to warn you about that. Because you did mention that your daughter is kind of like, you know, getting to that preteen, teen year. And boy, from what I've heard, it's not easy. Because- yeah, well, she's, she's yeah. so far, yeah. she
0: was a tough toddler. <laughs> and, and so far, you know, she's, she's not what I expected, but she's still getting in there. So I'm sure it's going to happen Um You know, I'm even seeing a little bit with my son now. And, you know, I I get that that's all part
1: of this age. It doesn't make it easier for parents. It doesn't make it easier. Um, There's one thing I want to say, Doran, that's important. I don't want to forget it. So many people have children who feel bored. Because they have listened to the myths and think it'll give them something better. If they're in a job that's boring, or if they're in a situation where they think um, their marriage could m- be made better if they have a child, they're duped into feeling that it will help them in their life and they'll be happier. And some will be, no doubt about it. But that's not a reason to have a child.
0: No, oh God, I do think there are people who think a baby is going to improve their marriage or their relationships or their mother-in-law is going to like them more, or whatever it is. That is so the wrong reason to have a child. Do you think so? The wrong reason, and, and you know,
1: society or culture or upbringing, right? Different types of, of backgrounds. Oh my goodness, yes.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me now, so, uh, you know, we hear this, I'm sure you've heard this. Well, if you don't have children, who's going to take care of you when oh, you're older, I just go with the mindset that nobody's, that neither of those two kids are going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So, um, what, what is, what do you have to say around that and, and planning for your future without children?
1: In my second book, I feel like I'm hawking, but I'm not, because okay. me, I don't go to the bank. If I had written a 50 shades of gray of a 78-year-old text office, I'd be yeah. making Brazilians. I also get back to that. That's such an important question, because that is the biggest fear of anybody, whether they're parents or not. And it should be whether you're parents or not, because nobody knows if a child can be there, whether or not they physically are well enough to be there, whether or not they have money enough to take care, whether or not they're not estranged from you. My husband has two daughters who we haven't seen, spoken to in 20 years. He's never met his grandchildren. And that's a whole other story. But in the book, I wrote about when I faced cancer and I thought I was at my end of my life. And I turned around and I looked around while I was having chemo and I said, oh, there's nobody, no children here for me to take care of me. And then I kept looking and saying, well, wait a minute. Do I know that that's really their children? It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody they bonded with. It could be a niece. It could be a nephew. Why did I assume that all these people who are here in chemo have family even or children with them? And I recognize at that point that that is certainly not a reason to have children. Now, I'm leaving on Thursday to go up to New York. I lost my aunt and my uncle within two weeks of of uh, their deaths.
0: Yeah, oh, Sorry I, to
1: hear that. It's, well, they were old and I'm out of their misery, so that's good. But the last thing she said to my sister, who was up there and held her as she died, was, Robin, I'm so glad that you have children because you won't die alone. Well, isn't that interesting? She never had children. She was dying in the arms of a loving niece who mm. adored her. And if I have loving people in my home in my life. I'm not afraid of that. And I learned through the beautiful kindness and heartwarming feelings of my nurses and my doctors, how real authentic caring can be. I still go back and hug Keiko, my nurse, and thank her for helping me be alive seven years later. So wrap your hearts around people love, authentically, really give to younger people, older people, and that fear will go away.
0: Mm, That's so true. And by the way, for those of us with children, like you said, you never know. There are a lot of us that are, you know, dealing right now with um, aging parents, a lot of women that, that are listening to the show and they have, you know, it might fall on one sibling, it, you know, and one might have nothing to do with that other person, you know, the, with the parent. So um, or, you know, there might be nobody there. So I think that that's that's a beautiful thing. I think we all kids or no kids should have that person in our life. And nurture
1: that relationship. Yeah, because it's fun to do that. I have, I call her a daughter friend who I taught years ago, and she went through hell when she married another person out of her culture and religion. Her mother and father abandoned her. My husband walked her down the aisle. My husband never walked his children down the aisle. Uh, now, this young lady who I call my daughter friend has a little boy who calls me Marma, Marcia Grandma.
0: Oh, Love that. Okay. Well, with that being said, is there anything that I didn't cover that you want to cover? And then I'd love you to tell everybody um, the name. I know I mentioned in the intro, your books or anything else. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I want to I want to see those two documentaries. I'm going to find those.
1: Yeah. One is on Amazon. You can find that right now. The other one, My So-Called Selfish Life is not out. It will be filmed on the cruise that I'm hosting in 2022. And anybody can email me at... Um, Marsha Davis at ketravel.com, K-E, not K-E-Y, and I'll send them the information. We have 80 people now booked. What is what is the cruise about? The cruise is a child-free group of family, I call them family, going off to Alaska. That's amazing. Is it is there an age range or it's from the 20, the lowest is 24. I'm the oldest at 78. But everybody in between, we have people from Brazil, from England all over the United States coming in. And I have another year to try to get to 100. That's my goal. It is enormously wonderful because it changes people's lives. And we laugh and we cry and we have fun. And we're going to have a pajama party in the theater when that second documentary, My So-Called Selfish Life by Teresa Schechter, will be filmed in the theater screen. I'm sorry. In the theater.
0: For my child free listeners, you better get on this boat because I want to hear about it. I, and I would do anything to spend a trip with you, Marsha, on a boat.
1: <laughs> um, let me tell you something. You can be a parent, you're warmly welcomed. Last time we had grandparents and parents of cruisers who supported their kids. And oh my God, they were eaten up alive with love because they were so supported. It was yummy. And then my book is Confessions of a Child Free Woman. And that tells more about how I came out, how I was on 60 Minutes. And the other book is What? You Don't Want Children? <laughs> and that's all about the rejection too many feel all over the world. Is your 60 Minutes interview anywhere on uh, YouTube? You can see part of it in To Kid or Not To Kid. Okay, I have tried to get it. I have the actual full thing and I show it on the cruise. But um, there's no way to find it. 60 Minutes has abandoned it because there's been so many people asking, why don't you go back, revisit Marsha? Where is she now? Because somebody said to me, I bet you in years from now, we'll come back to you and there'll be a little Marsha running around. Oh, that's amazing. You need to record something on your own and put it out to the world.
0: Put it on YouTube. That's a good idea. You should. You should. It would be huge. That's that's a good idea. You can just take that interview and you can, you know, tie it in. Well, thank you again for coming. Thank you for educating me. Thank you for educating my listeners. I hope that uh, I, you know, covered everything and and was sensitive to to this topic. I really I feel that I've learned so much, and um, I'm going to take that with me everywhere I go and um, make sure that. I'm not saying certain things <laughs> and, and that, and, and honestly, if I can do anything for what you're doing to help celebrate these women, I would love to, because I really believe that it's time that we all start celebrating women who have made certain choices in their lives instead of making them feel guilty about it. Thank you, Durin. That just made my day. Well, thank you again. And I hope to speak to you soon. I hope we can do something else at some point. we are not
1: rid of me yet, dear.
0: Good, Good, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast, and please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis.